Lord, we just prepare our hearts right now to receive your word that you have for us. Lord, I thank you for this time that we have, the time that we get to spend in your presence, the time that we get to come together for fellowship and and honoring and worshiping you and to receive from you. So I just thank you for this time, this appointed time that you have set for us. I ask your blessing on it. Thank you for your anointing on the word as it's being delivered. We love you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to just share, uh, initially starting, I'm going to share some things from my heart, um, some things I'm excited about. I'm getting very excited about the idea of revival and what I think it might look like. You know, I used to think about revival as it being a time when we're in the church. Let's say, for example, we're here on a Friday night or Saturday night or Sunday night or whatever, and the worship is amazing. And then there's just wonderful power, and there's powerful manifestations of God's presence. People are getting healed, saved, delivered, and it's just all kinds of Holy Ghost craziness going on. And then we just get all excited, and then we come back the next night, and we see the same thing happen again, and we just, you know, come over and over and over and over and over again. And the church is excited, and we keep coming to church and having a good time. And a lot of times we've seen that happen. I've, I've been privileged to go down to the Brownsville, Brownsville Revival, went to the Lakeland Revival. I've been and seeing amazing and incredible things happen. Powerful things, powerful healings. But when I've been thinking about that, it hasn't been really exciting me or building a sight, a, an excitement in me like I think it should. Until I believe what the Lord has shown me, what I believe now revival is going to look like. And that is something that I'm getting extremely excited about. What I believe it's going to look like is the first part, what I talked about, that the Lord touching his people in wonderful ways, people getting excited, people coming alive again, Christians coming back to life. You know, revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Revive. You know, David was saying that, or whoever the psalmist was in Psalms 119 was saying many, many times, he said, revive me according to your word. So that person needed reviving. And obviously it was a person who knew the Lord. And a lot of times we need to be revived. Amen. We need to be encouraged. We need to be awoke, awoken, awakened, whatever the word fits in that blank. Put the right one in there for me. And so I believe the Lord wants to encourage his children. He wants to wake us up. He wants to bless us, minister to us. I think that's part A. And I don't get excited about part A unless part B happens. And part B is when we become alive, we get refreshed. Then we go and take what he's just done to us and for us and we go out there. And we begin to impart life. We begin to become the dispensers of hope that he's called us to be. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. But guess what? Too often the light of the world is hidden inside the church. And God wants to blow us up in wonderful ways. He wants to, to kiss us and remind us of how much he loves us and how special we are to him. And fill us with hope and encouragement and his power. And then we go out there and we share that very thing to people who are hopeless, who are afraid, who are dying, who are miserable, who are experiencing hell on earth already. Or at least they think they're experiencing hell on earth. And then they die, then they experience the real hell. And we're not doing much about it. And I'm excited because I know that that is changing, that's going to change. To where you're going to be so consumed by the love of God that you cannot help but share what he's done in your life. And see, many of us, all of us, we go through life, we experience crazy things, we experience horrible things, we experience tragedy, and then we get comforted by an amazing father And he doesn't want us to keep that comfort to ourselves, but he wants us to go and allow him to comfort people through us who are experiencing the same tragedy that we just went through. And now we have hope and encouragement, and we can say, hey, I understand what you're going through. I just went through something very similar. I understand what it means to lose a child. 
I understand what it means to lose a spouse. I understand what it means to whatever. You fill in the blank. And because you allow the Lord to encourage you and minister to you hope, you're able to do the same thing to people. You know, the Lord and I have had conversations and I've told them many times, Lord, I do not want a big church. I'm not interested in a big church unless, and I put this condition before him, like God has to listen to my conditions, right? But I tried it anyway. I said, Lord, I'm not interested in a big church. And I, you know, big church, 500 plus, 500,000, whatever. Unless this church impacts this community. I would rather have 150 people who love Jesus and allow him to love people through them than a church of 500 just nominal Christians who don't do much of anything. Or they, they experience their Sunday morning Christianity and then they go out and live their lives the way they want to live their lives. I'm not interested in that at all. Matter of fact, I'd rather have 75 people who say, Lord, here I am, have your way through me. Because I know those 75 people are going to do a whole lot more in their lifetimes than the 500 people ever will. I'm going to hear what I'm saying. I have been ruined. I don't know when it happened, but I have been ruined to normal Christianity. I grew up going to church. My mom made sure I went to church. She didn't go with me, but she made sure I went. She was very faithful and committed. And I thank her for that. So I grew up going to church, experiencing just normal, being a good Christian, being a good American. But I got saved when I was 18 here in Stillwater at Oklahoma State. And some things changed. And even, even in my Christian walk, you know, just kind of for surviving, existing, being a good Christian person, being nice, not killing anybody, you know. But somewhere along the line, something happened to where I am no longer satisfied with just being a good Christian, a nice person. I'm no longer content with that. Somewhere along the lines, I became of the reality and, and the realization of the truth that the Holy Spirit, the creator of the universe, lives inside of me. And he desires to do through me what he did through Jesus when Jesus walked the earth. I'm starting to get a hold of that. That's starting to become a reality. My mind is being changed, is being renewed. And I'm actually starting to believe the stuff that I read in the Bible. I mean, I know that sounds kind of silly, but I'm actually starting to believe it. And I know I'm not the only one. You know, if you would have told me, or if you were to tell me now, that you can't do anything about tornadoes, I'd say, tell that to a group of friends that I have and see what they say. Whenever there's tornadoes predicted or, or on the radar coming in this direction, there's a group of crazies that I text and say, hey, guys, Mike Morgan says the tornadoes are coming. And in short, they basically say, not on my watch. And some of you are thinking, that, what are you talking about? Tornadoes, doing something about tornadoes. Well, it's the same thing that Jesus did when he and his disciples are going across the boat, are going across the, the sea in the boat. And then the seas began to rage and the storm began to rage and the disciples became afraid for their lives. And they woke Jesus up afraid. And Jesus got up and said to the storm, hush and be still. And the storm hushed and became still. And the Lord showed me many years ago, maybe 15, 20 years. I can't remember exactly when. But he showed me John chapter 14, verse 12, when Jesus said, those who continue to believe in me, the miracles that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. 
And looking back on it, I recognize it as a Holy Spirit encounter because he reminded me of that verse as I was reading the story about Jesus and the disciples crossing over and he told the storm to hush and be still. Because I saw it as, I saw it as a cool story of Jesus calming the sea and then all of a sudden he was showing me, son, you can do the same thing. I'm like, what? And I've come to realize that I'm not the only one who believes that way. Spending time with a city official, I become aware that the crime, the violent crime in Stillwater has incre- in Payne County has increased dramatically. He says, whereas we would see maybe once a year or once every so often, we'd see a murder happen. Read about a murder. Not an accidental, well, I guess murder is an accident, right? Not an accidental killing, but intentional murder. He says, now they're happening every month. And the types of crimes and the, and the violence that is happening is intensifying. And the drugs are out of control. Payne County, Bible Belt. And something's starting to happen in me, and I didn't understand this, and Jesus and I have been talking about this. But as I drive around Stillwater now, I'm feeling these different emotions or something happening inside of me. Because now I've lived in Stillwater since 1984. So I've been here a long time, and what I'm experiencing now is brand new. Or maybe I'm becoming more aware of it. Let me just say that. Maybe, it's been, maybe the Lord's been tapping on my shoulder the whole time, and I've been ignoring them or not been paying attention, but now I'm noticing something. When I drive around Stillwater and I see people all over the place just like you do, something in me is just, I feel compelled. I feel drawn to those people. I just want to get out of the car and just go up and hug them. I feel responsible for them. I feel like I'm their pastor, and I don't know who they are at all. I mean, this is crazy stuff going through my mind, my soul, my heart. It's like, man, I love these people. I feel like I'm responsible for them. I want to do something for them. I want to help them. I want to serve them. I want to love them. And then I realized, I believe what the Holy Spirit was showing me or is showing me, that this is not just for me, but this is for those of us here who are willing to accept that, that same thing. You remember, I believe it's, I don't know where it's at, um, one of the Gospels, where Jesus is on the hill, I guess, and he's looking over Jerusalem, and he's crying over Jerusalem. He says, how I long to gather you, gather you in. I'm starting to feel something like that. Where I'm just... My love for these people, this city, this county is exploding inside of me. And it's like wherever I go, I act like or I feel like I'm that person's pastor. And so I can't ignore them. I begin to talk engage, to, and engage people. And it's funny because I go into some restaurants, which I won't name, because there's a lady here who works there. And every time I walk in... I hear across the restaurant, hi, Pastor CJ. (laughs) Yeah, Cassie's guilty. And I have the privilege of of going into a place. And it's like Friday I was there. And the lady, the hostess who came up, and she calls me Pastor CJ too. Even though she didn't come to church here, she calls me Pastor CJ. And I used to have a problem with that. It's like, girl, you don't even come to my church. But I don't care about that. That's not the issue. But she came up to me and, and before I was seated, and she said, my daughter had, a ba- had her baby this morning. And I was like, really? And we were celebrating her baby that her daughter had just had. And then she said, now my daughter's in ICU. I'm like, wait a minute. We just had a baby now. She, What's going on? And this bad stuff, hemorrhaging, you know, the, you know some things not operating right and just bad I said, let's pray right now. So I grabbed her hands, and we prayed, began to declare. I said, right now, healing right now. 30 minutes later, me and my brother are having breakfast, and this lady comes over to me and shows me her cell phone, and she received a text. I don't know if it was from her daughter or somebody. I don't know if it was from Jasmine. Was it her other daughter? Okay, so she got, sent the text from her daughter 
everything was fine. Just like that, everything was fine. And then before I left, there's this young man I saw that, uh, and all of a sudden I felt like the Lord was highlighting him. And I said, okay, I gotta, gotta get a hold of that man. But I didn't want to disturb his work. I, you know, I didn't want him to get in trouble or anything. So I didn't know what to do to reach out to him. So I get up and I turn around and he's busting our table. So he came to me. It's like, ha, ha, ha. And I said, and I turned and looked at him. He looked at me. He said, oh, are you guys finished? And I said, yeah. I said, we're done. I said, can I talk to you for a second? And I approached him. I got in his space intentionally. And he gave me that look like, uh-oh, <laughs> this must not be good. Because I said, can I talk to you for a moment? And maybe he's not used to people talking to him in a positive way. But I just begin to tell him how great of a man he is, how amazing he is. I begin to speak destiny, his purpose. At that moment, I felt like a father. Son, you're amazing. And this guy just looked at me. Like I just smacked him with something he didn't recognize. And all he could say was thank you. But the look on his face was priceless. And I just left. And that whole day Friday, I was just burning up inside, just looking for people to explode on. And here's what, this is what I'm excited about. Not that, but you. You. What I believe the Lord is showing me and doing in me is what he is going to be doing in all of us. That we can't help. We can't help but let Jesus love people through us. When they come and get their hair cut by Michelle, and she begins to prophesy over them, and begins to lay hands on them, and they get healed, and all they did was come in there to get a haircut. And they leave having been encountered by the Holy Spirit. See, this is what I'm getting excited about. This is what I see as revival. I see people coming to do business with Steve Irby, thinking they're going to get a great deal on some speakers. And they walk away with a new relationship with Jesus and a good deal on some speakers. <laughs> Can't forget about the speakers. We're not just a group of people who have come out of tragedy and we're going to survive. We are a family of believers who have come out of whatever it is we've come out of and we're going to be overcomers. And we're going to be full of hope and passion and compassion. And then we're going to go and spill out on people. And we're going to love people. Now imagine with me for a second, if all of us in this room did that for one week here in Stillwater, do you believe that Stillwater would be the same next week? It's impossible for it to stay the same. It's impossible. When the church, which happens to not be this building, but happens to be you, when the church is doing what we are designed to do, share hope, minister hope, and peace and courage to people, and their lives are radically changed because some person spent a few moments just to speak encouragement to them. You know, when the cashier at Walmart is having a rough time, she may have a headache and just tired of her job because it's hot. And, and then she gets the complaining customers and uh, whatever, you know, there's people, just normal life going on. And all of a sudden, one person stops and says, ma'am, can I buy you a Pepsi? I'd like to treat you to a drink. And she's like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're special. Jesus loves you. He just wanted to remind you today how precious you are. Something simple like that. We have no idea the impact that can have. 
And we're not even talking about healing and miracles and all that kind of stuff, although we are talking about miracles because we're talking about the miracle of the Holy Spirit engaging somebody else through you. We get to do this. And you don't have to go to seminary to qualify. Okay, just check in. I'm ruined for the normal Christianity. Two words the Lord put in my heart at the end of, ni- uh, end of 1990. Well, anyway, end of 2015. Two words. Equip and deploy. Equip and deploy. And then I started seeing visions of you people being equipped and released, launched into the callings of purposes, the, the cool stuff that God has put in you that you get to go do. And you say, I'm having too much fun. Is this okay? Is this legal? A lot of times we think really following and honoring the Lord, we think it's boring and full of religiosity because that's the way we've been taught. But I believe when we truly connect with the Father and we begin to do what he's designed us to do, it's so much fun that we don't think it's, it's legal. Like, is this okay? There's some crazy things. And, and when I say the word crazy, you can substitute the word wonderful if you want. Crazy sounds better. I don't know why. But, but there's some crazy things that I'm, I'm becoming aware of. And I'm just realizing how amazing God is. I mean, I'm hearing stories of people getting healed simply by looking at a painting. Check this one out. People getting healed by eating a chocolate eclair. Now I know that just messed up some of y'all's theology. Especially y'all health nuts, that just messed you up. Oxymoron, healing and eclair, I don't get it. But what I see is the Lord is using all kinds of arts, the culinary arts, to bring the kingdom into people's lives. He's using music. I heard a testimony of a lady who experienced all this tragedy. She, um, she, went, she was a missionary into war-torn countries and began to experience post-traumatic stress syndrome. Is that right? PTSD, that stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. She began to experience that anxiety, fear, depression, hopelessness, you know, all those things. She went to counselors. She went to the the best prayer lines. All she could do and no results. Nothing helped her. She went to a home group. It's a worship type home group. One of those weird ones, you know, where they like to worship a lot. And the lady, the leader of the group asked her, and she, I guess she was a visitor. They said, would you mind sitting in the middle? We would just like to just to minister to you. And she said, you know, if you're dealing with anxiety, the last place you want to be is in the middle of everybody's attention, the center of attention. So she reluctantly did, sat in this chair, and this other lady began to prophetically dance around her. She said within a few seconds, she was completely healed and delivered. No more depression, no more PTSD, or whatever those initials are. No more anxiety, none of that. Because a young lady simply prophetically danced. The arts, the creativity that God put in her, she released it and set this lady free. Now I know I'm blowing some of your minds and that's okay. Because we're going to have healing ministry afterwards. But the point I'm trying to, to get out, and here's, here's one thing I'd like to emphasize. We have traditional ministry that we all recognize. Preaching like being a preacher, pastor, missionary, worship leader, children's minister, youth pastor, those types of things that we're all familiar with, and we think that's all of ministry. And so if I don't have a calling or desire in any one of those areas, then I'm not called into ministry. And we say, do you realize, man, this brother has a call on his life. And see, when we recognize someone may have a preaching gift in them or a teaching gift, we say, this brother has a call on his life. 
Newsflash, every single one of you who are born again have a call on your life. It may or may not be one of these traditional ministries. And what I see in the near future is that because, see, we, we're so familiar with these traditional ministries, we celebrate them, we recognize them, and so we're used to them. But we're going to begin to celebrate all the other ministries, too, that God's going to begin to bring forth in and through you guys. Creative arts, whatever else there is out there. We'll be talking about that in the near future. But the main point is what I'm excited about is us allowing people to have encounters with the Lord through us. Through us. And in that light, I get excited about revival. You know, there's one thing. You know, Sunday's probably, as far as Christians, I'm going to say, maybe the biggest time, day of the week where we eat out. So most of us, or many of us, after Sunday, church on Sunday, you go out to the restaurants. And if, when you go there, there's a lot of people because, you know, it's probably one of the busiest days of the week. You know, us churchgoers go to, to eat at restaurants. But here's a sad commentary that I've heard over and over and over again from servers that the time after church is their least liked shift to work. That's the shift where the servers don't want to have is, a, is the time right after church. You're thinking, but it's really busy. So a lot of tips, a lot of business, a lot of tips, a lot of business. Yeah, tips like, you need Jesus. <laughs> or leaving a track and, and putting in there, get saved. That's the best tip you can have. And what's, what I'm hearing, and I say, I used to be a server at Sirline Stockade many moons ago. And I, and I experienced that same thing, that Sunday after church, I didn't go to church then um, regularly. I was a teenager, so I can go if I wanted to or not. Plus, I was bigger than my mom. Well, that didn't matter anyway. So that didn't matter one bit. But I worked Sunday after church, and, and I experienced the same thing that I'm hearing people experience now. The customers during that time frame seem to be more rude, more demanding, less generous. Rude, demanding, less generous. Ouch. My heart breaks. Because who typically are the ones who are in the restaurants after church on Sunday afternoons? Not the partiers who are sleeping off that hangover. And so here's my challenge to you. I would like to see, you know, if we did a statistic and, and polled all the servers, we'd probably get something, you know, that they, they share that, that indictment against whoever, that time. My challenge is for us to turn that thing upside down. If, if, it, if the restaurants are full of Christians after church, then shouldn't the restaurants be full of the brightest light? Shouldn't it be full of the greatest encouragement? And shouldn't there be the greatest amount of tips given to the servers where they begin to fight with each other over, no, I get to work that shift. It's my turn to work after church on Sunday. And imagine with me if we would, and see, I've been caught up in this, so I know that I'm one of them, them I can be or have been one of those um, Customers that aren't too, that the waiters are not too excited about. But because, I, because I've been convicted, the Lord's changing my mindset. Look for opportunities just to love people, encourage them. Imagine if, just imagine with me for a moment, if the servers, the busboys, the cooks, the managers, the ones who are on the floor that come to your table, if they got words of encouragement, words of affirmation, if they got 
crazy tips, words of knowledge, healing. I notice you have a, a brace on your wrist. What's going on with your wrist? Oh, I fractured it yesterday playing volleyball or whatever. Can I pray for you real quick? They get healed. What did you do to my wrist? Imagine that happening. Now, do you think Holy Spirit would, he's wanting a partnership with that idea or the alternative? And you and I get to do that. We get the opportunity to take hope into a frustrating situation and lavish them with love. And if you're going to leave a track, hey, I'm all about tracks, leave a, an extraordinary tip of cash, not words. You can write the words, but just make sure there's a bunch of cash to go along with that. Then I guarantee you, if you give them an extraordinary gift, I guarantee you they're going to read those words. You don't leave anything in there? Trash. So that's just a little pet peeve I just wanted to, wanted to share, an opportunity. And I want to share three things, three practical things we can do to partner with the Father, to cultivate and sustain an atmosphere of revival here. Think three things we can do, practical things. The Lord, we've been, the Lord and I have been talking about these things for a while. I've been asking him questions about these things, and I feel like he's encouraged me with this. And so I've endeavored to begin to do this to develop this type of atmosphere so I can partner with him to see revival, to see an atmosphere. See, we don't want just an event to happen. We want this, not a place of a visitation. We don't want the Holy Spirit just to visit here in a wonderful way. We want him to reside, to be a holy habitation, not a visitation. Are you with me? And I believe that we can partner with him by certain attitudes and mindsets. Number one, Having a heart of anticipation and expectation when we come together for corporate worship. When we come on Sunday mornings, having a heart of anticipation and expectation when we come together for corporate worship. Are you hearing me? Expectation. Anticipation. I'm expecting the Lord to work in my life. I'm expecting to meet with him as we worship him. Let me ask you this question. If I told you and you knew for a fact that Jesus were going to manifest himself and be here in the flesh every Sunday morning here at New Covenant Fellowship and actually in all the other churches, because he can do that, but let's say he were to be here in the flesh or whatever his body's made out of. I don't know what it's made out of, but he were going to be here physically on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock in the whole summer. Here's my question. What time would you be here? Just a question. Would you be here at 1030? You think, but, but we're talking about Jesus being here. Is he not here? Here's something the Holy Spirit showed me. As soon as I had those thoughts, the Lord brought these verses to my mind. John 20, verse 24 through 29 says, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, excuse me, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. But believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The Bible says that we are to walk by sight, not by faith. The Bible says, we are to walk by sight and not by faith. 
The Bible says we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Did I get it right? Finally. So here's my, here's the question I'm getting at. When we come on Sunday mornings, do we come with anticipation and expectation that we're really meeting with God? Or is it just a theory that we hold to and we agree intellectually? And see, our attitude and our demeanor dictates, shows our response. Now, I understand being late. We're all late every once in a while. I understand having kids. I have a couple of them myself. I understand what it means to get ready for church, and you're about to walk out the door, and then one of your sons throws up all over your wife. Or a diaper blows out. Poor her. I mean... I don't think it ever happened to me. But I understand that. You know, we get, we're late every once in a while. I understand that. But my question is not you being late or not. It's what's your heart and your attitude. Is it, oh, well, it's just the music. I'll get there when I get there. Getting there 15, 20, 30 minutes late. It's no big deal. It's just the music. If you have that mindset, and maybe you may not consciously think that way. But if, if you're, you're, you know, you're getting here consistently late, what are you teaching your children when it comes to worship? What are you teaching and what message are they getting? Worship's not important. It's not important. And so then as they grow up, you wonder, why aren't they participating? Because it's not important. And it's just a challenging question not to... Now, I, I think you guys... That most of you anyway who are here, we have enough relationship that you know I love and care for you. So I can talk like this. I think I've earned that somewhat. That you know I'm not trying to condemn you or discourage you, but I am challenging you. Yes, I am challenging you intentionally. Because I know in your heart you love the Lord. We want revival. We want to see people's lives changed. And sometimes it's like, well, Lord, what can I do to partner with you? And he says, well, here's what you can do. Honor me, says the Lord. Honor him. When we have the attitude that worship's not that big a deal, it's just singing songs, but the purpose of it is to honor him. And I'm not honoring him with my actions. Then we're going contrary to his heart. And it's not one of those legalistic things where God is mad at you for not being on time. That's not it at all. But we're talking about being a people who are moving into the greater things of God. And you know when we say we want more of God, we want more of God, we want more of God. Actually, that's not, we have three-tenths of the Holy Spirit already in us. I'm glad you're paying attention. But we act like that. Okay, I have, I have seven-eighths of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want more of you. I'm working on that seven-eighths, that, that other seventh, or that other eighth, so I can have more of God. Jesus didn't give us part of the Holy Spirit. We have the whole thing. And we don't get a junior, when, you know, when we're born again, or if we're a little child, we don't get junior Holy Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit. He's in us. So we have all of God. The question is, does he have all of you? And see, I know what we're saying, Lord, I want more of you. I'm wanting more of your manifest presence. I'm wanting more of your promises to manifest in my life. Well, guess whose responsibility it is to change so that that happens? He's not changing. He doesn't need to change. It is my responsibility to adjust to him. If my attitude is bad, if my attitude stinks, if I have unforgiveness of whatever, guess who needs to repent? Not God for making the laws of forgive your brother, but me to conform to his word. And as I conform to his word, then I'm going to experience more of his goodness. Jesus says, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember the complete verse right now, but it's in John 13 or 14. Yeah, 13 or 14, where he says that if we love him, we'll keep his word. 
And if we love him, then he and the Father will come and reveal themselves to us, make their abode with us. You know, in other words, reveal himself in a special way. The condition is loving him by keeping his word, keeping his word, honoring him. And because we live in this, we live in the society where everything's nice and cozy and comfortable, our, our mindset and our attitudes can slip. We can slip into complacency. We can slip into just survival mode and just going with the flow. And the Lord wants to wake us up and say, I have more for you than that. Because if we think about it, while I'm in my nice, comfortable, complacent Christian life, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm doing pretty good. And there are too many people who are hopeless, helpless, and desperate. And I ain't doing nothing about it. And God says, I've given you the ability to do something about it. And God says, son, I love these people out there. And I sent my son to die for them so they can have life. But they don't know it yet. They don't know it yet. They don't even know me. And I want you to represent me so they can begin to know me. But I ain't got time for that because I'm too busy being comfortable. Number two, coming with an open heart, hungry to receive an equipping word from the Lord through this, the servant, let's see, through the servant who happens to be speaking that morning. When we come, here's something I've been thinking about and talking to the Lord about for quite a while, several months. Because it's something that I don't understand. It's like, Lord, is there anything that can be done about that? When you come to church or you go to church somewhere, what kind of heart and attitude do you go and what kind of attitude do you have, particularly when the person is about to share the word? What I mean by that is that, oh, it's just CJ again. Or, oh, it's Cornell this time. Or it's Lisa. Or it's Greg. Now, for some of them, you might get a little bit more excited, and others like, oh, it's just that person. The reason why I ask and the reason why this is so important is because when God gives gifts to the church, and right now I'm speaking specifically about the fivefold gifts, okay, specifically, not excluding everyone else, but I'm speaking specifically to this one thing. Because I know some of you say, well, all of us are important. Yes, we are, but I'm not talking about that right now. When it comes to the fivefold gifts that God puts before us to deliver a word, what is your heart adjustment or what is your heart condition? In other words, okay, and I, I'm, I struggle with saying this because it seems very self-serving right now. But I feel like the Lord's challenging me to say this, and so I'm going to say it anyway. I'm sharing today, and then next week, Howard Katz is going to be here. It's like, ooh, Howard Katz is going to be here. Or later on in the summer, Bill and Tammy are going to be here. Is your expectation and your pull from that person's message the same? Or does it increase with people that you don't know that well, like Bill and Tammy or Howard Katz? Hear what I'm getting at? I mean, do you hear what I'm saying? When I was in Kenya this last time, and I saw a higher level of, of anointing or healing, more than I've ever seen before. Almost, now I'm exaggerating, almost where I could have sneezed and people got healed. I mean, almost that crazy. But there was such a high level of that going on. And when Johnny and I would get up and talk, we'd share, preach or teach or whatever, the level of their pulling, pulling on what we had. And then when the pastor would get up, Joe Asher, one of the brothers would get up and say, share testimony, what are you getting from this? And, and many of them who didn't seem like they were paying attention, they would be able to quote word for word what you just said. It's like, I didn't know he was paying attention. And here's what I'm getting at, because Jesus dealt with the same thing. Everywhere he went, Signs, wonders, and miracles happened. People were mesmerized by his message. They were in awe of how wonderful this gift was to them. The very same gift, the very same package went home to Nazareth. Very same gift. And these people said, 
Isn't this Jesus who hung out with us, played with our kids? I even babysat him. I mean, is this the same Jesus? And it said they were offended at him. And then it said God could do no mighty work there except heal a few sick folk. Now we're talking about Jesus himself being limited at their response. And the Lord kind of spanked me in my backside not too long ago. Me, Lisa, Todd, and Shannon were in, in Reading at Bethel at a conference. And they have wonderful teachers, preachers, I mean, just wonderful ministry. And then one guy, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to poison you with my attitude, but one guy would get up and I'd say, oh, not him. <laughs> He's my least favorite, not him. <laughs> and so guess what would happen? I couldn't stay awake during his sessions. Every time I'd be wide awake, he'd start speaking, i fall asleep. I can't help it. I'm like, man, and one time I even sat last year, I sat on the front row so I'd stay awake. Guess what happened? <laughs> Kept doing, it's like, man, I mean, I was prime. I was, I was embarrassed because I know people were seeing it. I couldn't keep my head up. Like, what the heck? And then here's, here's the wonderful thing that you're going to appreciate about your pastor. I told Todd and Shannon about this guy that wasn't my favorite. So guess what started happening to Todd and Shannon in the service when this guy started speaking? I infected them with my bad attitude. But not Lisa, though. She, she reminded me this morning, you didn't affect my attitude. I stayed awake. But, but here's where I got convicted. I was talking to one of my sons. I don't remember if it was Joseph or Trey. It was Trey. Okay, I was talking. And I said, oh, that's right. We had dinner with Trey. I said, Trey, I said, is this guy, is he really that bad? I mean, what's wrong with this guy? And here's where the conviction hit me in the heart. Trey said, oh, he's one of the favorites in the whole school. And we're talking like 2,500 kids. This guy is one of their favorites. And I can't stay awake. So is there something wrong with that guy? Yes, and all those 2,500 people too. But here's the, here's the point I want to get across. I had set my soul in a certain posture to, towards this man. I couldn't receive anything from him. Physically and emotionally, I shut down. But everybody else, oh, so-and-so, oh, he's my favorite. Wide awake, never had a problem at all. Never do. And the Lord convicted me. What I'm missing out on this man because the way I set my attitude, my posture towards him. And so my challenge to you is, see, it's easier to receive. I mean, naturally speaking, we're not talking about being natural. We're not talking about carnal. We're talking about spiritual, supernatural. It is natural to receive from people that we don't know that, much, that well, especially if they're gifted. So when the Howard Cats come and the Bill and Tammy Woods and anybody else who comes from the outside, it's easy for us to receive, and that's okay. I want you to receive everything you can get next weekend when Howard Katz is here. But do not wait until an outsider comes to receive from the Lord. Every Sunday, whoever the Lord has up here delivering a message, I want to challenge you to become greedy Christians. And you say, Lord, I'm, I'm sucking everything out of that person that I can. And if you would set your posture your attitude that way, you'll be amazed at the revelation that the Lord starts to speak to you and share with you. So I just want to encourage and challenge. It's about our heart position. Whether it's worship or whether it's us coming here, being late all the time or, or whatever, it's do I honor the Lord in this? Or is it just am I being carnally minded? Oh, it's not that big deal. Or am I being spiritual? My Lord, I'm going to honor you. It's our posture. It's an atmosphere and an environment. What moves God? Faith. What pleases him? Faith. When we come and worship every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, that is an opportunity to exercise our faith. Lord, I'm coming because I believe that you're here. I believe that this honors you. 
You know, the one who is looking for worshipers, the one who sits in heaven and the angels and the elders all, they throw their, their, their thrones on the ground and they fall on their face and say, holy, holy, holy. And they get back up and they look at him and they're worshiping him and they fall back on their faces again and say, holy. I mean, just worship, tremendous worship going on 24-7 in heaven. So I think that it's probably important. A little bit. And so when we come with the attitude, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to participate with the kingdom activity that you view as important. And matter of fact, in your word, you said you're looking for worshipers. Here I am. And we have an opportunity to express our faith, to walk in faith. Because I may not feel like it. I'm, I'm in a bad mood. My body aches or whatever. And I'm supposed to stand up and worship. I don't feel like it. Faith. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when we come in an atmosphere of faith and, and exaltation and honor, just watch and see what he does. And when whoever gets up here, when Lisa gets up here and she shares and she preaches and delivers whatever God gives her, and you're saying, I'm going to get everything I can from that sister. Watch what God will do in your life. Watch what he will do. I know my time's run out, but I want to share point three real quick. Come on, iPad. Going after him and his kingdom intentionally. Number three, going after Jesus or the Father and his kingdom intentionally. In other words, being equipped by the gifts offered here at NCF. In other words, we have this foundation series coming up. And many, most, if not all of you have said, I want to do this. But don't just show up on Wednesday night and say, okay, I did that and move on. Come on Wednesday night with your straws out and you're sucking everything out of it that you can get. You say, God, I'm coming to get what I can to be equipped so I can go out and dispense hope and power and peace and love to people. You're coming to be equipped and have that mentality. I'm coming not just for me. I'm coming to get equipped so I can be deployed. And you come with them big old straws, like the kind they serve with the bubble tea, you know, big ones like that. I almost choked on one of those things, by the way. Like you suck. Anyway, so being equipped, uh, coming in and, and receiving what the gifts offered here. Intentionally, you younger generation, when I mean younger, you with young children in that age group, whether you have children or not, intentionally going after a spiritual mom or dad. Intentionally. Hey, are you a spiritual dad? Yes, I am. Hey, I'm coming into your house. I'm ready to receive. Teach me. In other words, opening your heart, opening your life to a, a mature mom or dad who can speak, who you invite to speak into the important places. Child training, husband and wife relationship, finances. You know, all those important issues that we pretend like we're all good and doing perfect in and we keep it to ourselves and we don't grow or we begin to take off in ministry and then we crash because all of a sudden my wife wants to leave me or my kids are rebellious or my finances I'm in so much debt it's crazy because we allow the important areas to go unchecked or it's like I got this I'm wise in my own eyes I know how to do this and then we crash or we experience all this trauma that we don't have to if we would embrace the principles of the kingdom and so I double-dog dare you and challenge you to grab a hold of a mom or dad or both and say, I want to learn. I want you to speak into my life in these areas as much as I'm afraid and as, as scary it's going to be. Now, obviously, build relationship. you got to build trust, obviously. I'm not talking about being stupid or being crazy and kamikaze style, whatever. But going in, building a relationship, say, okay, I trust you. Please speak into my life. That was something I did and I continue to do now. I'm a greedy Christian, and I got a big straw, and I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to grow. I don't want to stay the way I, that I am. And so I double-dog dare challenge you to do the same thing. And the last thing is, is not, in part three, is not too many Americans were comfortable here, and many of us don't realize how comfortable we're here. Like, what are you talking about comfortable? You haven't been to my house. I'll talk to you about comfortable. You haven't been to Africa. 
I'm saying comfortable. We are comfortable here. And what happens is we get so comfortable and so complacent and we just let life kind of carry us along. And we're just kind of cruising in life. And then 10 years goes by and we're wondering, man, how come God's not using me? How come I'm not growing and developing in my gifts? Because you have to be intentional. If you're not intentional, life will rip you off. What happens is, is we get home after a hard day of work and we flip on Facebook. Or we flip on Sports Center. Or we flip on the video games. Or TV or whatever. And nothing about those things necessarily. But how much time are you spending in those things? Are you characterized as a dad or a man? You're characterized by golf? And you do church and kingdom stuff on Sunday? Or are you a kingdom man who happens to play golf? Big difference. How do your kids characterize you? How does your spouse characterize you? How do those who are close to you characterize you? Characterize means when they see you, this is what they think about you predominantly. Doesn't mean you're doing that all the time. Sometimes we need to turn off the Facebook, turn off the TV, shut off the video games, and say, you know what? I'm going to, I believe the Lord has gifted me in this, whatever this is, I'm going to go after it. I'm going to, there is so much wonderful information on the internet, in our society, where you can learn how to develop in your gifts and your calling. But you have to be intentional. The Bible says to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to squeeze into this pattern. See, most people just kind of coast and guide through life and they're expecting stuff to happen to them. They're expecting the training to automatically happen. And then they get older and older and older and they're like, man, why am I still the same? Do not allow that stuff to rip you off. But be intentional. God gives you permission to be a greedy Christian and get everything that he's made available for you. I believe the Lord is grieved when we don't partake and grab a hold of what he's made available. He wants you to get everything he's made available because he loves you, he's passionate about you, and he's excited about partnering with you out there and changing lives. Now, obviously, that means as well that we take care of each other. We encourage and we build each other up. That's what we're supposed to do. Matter of fact, that's why the Bible says do not forsake the assembling together because we need to encourage one another. Encourage means to give courage to. So we're encouraging one another, building each other up, and then we go out there and we all go get the stuff done and we see people's lives change, and then we come back and we celebrate. Man, did you see what God did at my job? I just had a breakthrough in the chemistry department. We just discovered a cure for whatever the case may be. You remember when I came back from Kenya and I said that I was so excited because not only what was happening there, but I was excited because when I was there, I was thinking about you guys. Remember that? I'm more excited now than I was when I got back from Kenya. Because what I'm seeing is becoming more of a reality. But Lord, we just thank you that you are amazing, you're so wonderful, and you're so good. And Lord, I thank you that you don't just tolerate us. Actually, you don't just tolerate, but you celebrate us. Lord, you get excited about when we wake up each day because of the adventures, the possibilities that we get to do with you to see lives impacted. And so I just thank you that you're changing, helping to change our mindsets, that we're moving from the survival mentality to the overcoming and the ministry mentality where we get to go and just love on people and allow people to encounter you. Thank you, Father, for the hunger that you're stirring up in your people here. And Lord, I just pray and speak your blessing on every family. I pray conviction over all of us in, in the areas where we need to be convicted and that we will repent and turn back towards you. 
We love you and we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray your blessing over the food, over the fellowship that we're about to have. And we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for wonderful weather. In Jesus' name, amen.